Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Before I jump into the message today, we have uh, very good news, and the news is that we will be open for services in person again next week. And uh, just to give you some preparation for that, uh, just like before when we were open, we have room for up to 100 people. And so we're asking that you register online um, so that we can have all the contact tracing information that we are required by law to have. And also, if you register online ahead of time, it speeds up the process when you come in the morning. Service starts at 10 o'clock, just like online, I guess, obviously. But uh, we're asking that you come earlier than that, like between 9.30 and quarter to 10, so that we can have everybody in the room and ready to go by the time the service starts. We're not sure if everybody sort of comes at the same time, if there's going to be sort of a... uh, a lineup of people that's going to make it more difficult and, and more time-consuming. You can register online at crosslands.ca, which is sort of our outgoing website that advertises who we are. If you go into Sunday services, uh, the, the registration link will be there. But you can also register online through crosslands.live, which is sort of our internal uh, message system and uh, communication. So either of those two options will work for you. The registration will open today. In fact, I believe it's already open today. You can start registering today for next week's service in person. Uh, As before, we will be continuing the online stream for those who might be uncomfortable to show up in person this this far back from the end of the pandemic. We're not sure how long that is. If you have health concerns, uh, if if you have um, health vulnerability, then please continue to watch from home until you feel safe enough to come. Now, what's new this time is we've been running a, a concurrent service for kids during the service. It's happening right now online. And we're gonna be running that in person as well. And so if you have kids and you're coming online, uh, you can, uh, or sorry, if you have kids and you're coming in person, uh, you're welcome to bring your kids and then they will be dismissed from the main room uh, when after the worship starts, okay? And we'll be running, it's a limited program, we're gonna be running grades uh, junior high, sorry, junior kindergarten to grade five. So if your kids are, are in junior kindergarten to grades five, then this program uh, is for them, and it will be running in person as well as online. We'll be dismissing them uh, to Theater 5 with Pastor Mariah, and they will be participating together in the online kids' service. So they will be together in person. Mariah will be there with all the kids, and, and, uh, and it'll be staffed with, youth, with kids' leaders, and then they will be participating together with the kids who are also watching the online service. So take advantage of that. If you're, if you're coming in person next week, make sure you register. Make sure you let us know. There's a, a space on the registration to let us know how many kids are going to be with you for that as well. So really excited about that. If you can come in person, we'd love to see you here next week in our building. I want to start today uh, in our next message in the Who Who Are You series. This is one of the big questions in our culture. If you've been tracking with us for for a couple of weeks now, we've talked about how the message of Jesus applies directly to every culture. And the questions that used to be asked, the questions that used to be answered with our, our gospel presentation or good news presentation, those aren't the questions that are being asked now. And one of the big questions being asked in our culture today is, who am I? How do I figure out my identity? I was watching a movie, and the movie uh, tells the story of a young woman who's thrown into an adventure, and she has to confront massive forces of evil. And throughout the journey, she discovers that everything she needs is within her. All she has to do is tap into who she really is. And she doesn't learn something from outside. She's not mentored by somebody. 
The biggest challenge she has are the things that keep her from identifying with who she really is on the inside. And once she's able to do that, she's able to overcome the forces of evil. Now, I've seen this a couple of times. I've, a couple of times, uh, very, very uh, clearly and profoundly. I'm sure this message is happening in a lot of our media. But the two that I think of primarily are the new Star Wars movies, where Rey has to discover who she is and just sort of identify that and live it out, and the live-action version of Mulan. It's a stark contrast from the older stories, like the Luke Skywalker example, where he is thrown unwilling to, willingly into conflict, uh, but he has to learn from a mentor, he has to develop his skill, and he's got to tap into the new skills that he has learned, and it is not at all about identifying with who he is in the inside. And there's a, there's a shift there. See, one of the biggest questions we have, the question of identity, is being answered today by our culture with identify with who you are on the inside. That's the only thing that matters. This is a, whether this is your own question or whether it is a question of the people you know, the people that are around you. I believe that Jesus offers better tools to understand the identity question than the tools our culture has to offer. I'll invite you to send text messages. Uh, you could send it on the YouTube chat or directly to my phone if you have my number. Um, and and we'll, if, if you have a question or a comment relevant to the message, we'll deal with those at the end of the service if we have time. But I want to talk about this message about your identity comes from the inside. There's always a tension. To what extent does your identity come from the inside or from the outside? Because um, We've talked about nature versus nurture, but nature versus nurture, that question about whether we're biologically identified or whether we're, uh, we're identified or formed by outside sources, that question is completely irrelevant if who you are only comes from the inside. Now, in part, this is a correction. It's a, it's a shift. And we've talked about the past couple of weeks where our culture in the past has told us certain things and our new sort of culture responds to that with a bit of a correction. And so if you go, for the majority of history, who you are was determined only by what was outside. By who your parents told you you were, what your last name is, what you, who your parents' parents were. In, in the culture, your family would have a, a social standing and that would determine who you are. In some extreme examples, a caste system is determined by your ethnicity, by the religion in which you grow up your social class, and not only do the, those things determine and inform who you are, but you are expected throughout your lifetime not to move outside those boundaries. It was very restrictive. And, and sometimes we look at historical fiction movies that most of them are really, really, really bad because although they wear the costumes of their day, they communicate the values and ideals of today's culture. And that's just not the way it was. People actually thought that this was the way it was. I am defined by my social class, by my parents, by my ethnicity, by my religion. And today's culture is a strong reaction to that. I remember uh, sometime way past in history, uh, when I was applying for university in 1988, we, we went to university on the day you pick classes. This is pre-internet. Um, so you, you can't do it for a distance. People had to show up in the first year and, and go to a go actually on campus and, and pick the classes that were available to you. And they were very specific. They said, do not bring your parents. There was a reason for that, because a lot of the kids that would come to university, their parents would choose their classes because their parents would choose their life course. 
And so I showed up that day by myself without my parents, and probably a third of the students that were picking their classes that they had their parents there telling them what they were going to do with their life. I mean, in my mind, it's not that long ago, and it still boggles my mind that, that your future course would be determined by your parents more than it would be determined by you. And so I'm part of this cultural shift. Today, the message that people are hearing is who you are is only determined by you. It comes from within. This is your true nature. In fact, your true nature itself is, is threatened or compromised by outside sources. Who you are is compromised by what your parents tell you, by what culture tells you, by what social class you are determined to be. And you have to ignore or throw off those identity uh, informers in order to only by yourself choose what your identity is. That's, that's your job in this culture. I mean, it really appeals to the, the common dream of adolescence where people in their teen years believe that everything their parents are and represent and believe is wrong. So there's something about that. But the message is also that everything that is wrong about you, or even everything that's wrong with the world, doesn't come from within you. It comes from the things outside you. Our institutions, our cultural expectations, our parents, boomers. You name it. If it's outside of you, it is compromising who you are because who you are only comes from the inside. That's a message that I'm hearing in our culture. This is actually not a new thing. It actually, there, there's been a, an earlier version of this called romanticism, and romanticism wasn't the, it wasn't like the, what we understand romance to be today. It was, a, it was a philosophy, it was a mindset that emerged in the late, late 1700s, early 1800s that said, mankind, humanity, without cultural influence is pure and good and perfect. And it's only our culture that mars that, that distorts that. And I see that coming back today. What we, the mantra of, of finding identity in our culture is, I am me and nobody else can tell me who I am. I remember quite a few years ago when Judah was young, he must have been 10 or 11, he was a pretty funny kid. And I remember one night we were having a, a conversation in our bedroom at night before he went to bed and um, it was a minor disagreement. I don't even remember what it was, but it was very minor. And we were kind of having fun with it. We were joking about it, Michelle and I and Judah. We were sort of bantering back and forth. And we have a lot of banter in our household. And so we were bantering. And all of a sudden, Judah, in this, this melodramatic outburst that I'm sure was not serious, or it was mostly not serious, he ran out of the room and he yelled, he yelled, I'm just trying try to figure out what it means to be me. And I, I thought it was hilarious. It was only afterwards I thought, was he serious about that? I'm not sure. I'm just trying to figure out what it means to be me. And there's a strain in the pursuit of finding your own identity if you're expected to do it by yourself. And so this, the idea that who you are only comes from your, within yourself, it sounds very freeing. But I believe in people's experience, it causes a lot of pressure. Because there's some questions. What do you start with? If you're expected to throw off everything that's external, what your parents taught you, what school teaches you, what culture expects. But what do you start with? Your feelings? We talked about that last week. Feelings as a, as a basis of truth. Your feelings change. How do you avoid stereotypes? Stereotypes are, they're, they're really, really negative in our culture. Do not be a stereotype. Don't expect somebody else to be a stereotype. So now you're expected to find your identity 
but you have no models to go with because the models themselves are stereotypes. How do you remain consistent in your character? How do you remain authentic in your character? Because as you, as you struggle through this journey of finding yourself, two things we can't tolerate in our culture is inauthenticity, being fake, and inconsistency. In a culture where, this is a whole other topic, but in a culture where objective morality has been sort of thrown to the side, the only moral criticism we can make, other than intolerance and racism, is being inconsistent. Well, you said you were this, but now you're saying you're this. And so the, finding your own identity on your own, from within, without any help from anyone, becomes a massive burden. It, it, you, you have to choose something, maybe arbitrarily, and then live up to that choice as you continue through life. That's hard. It's one of the reasons why our culture has a hard time giving people the tools to find their identity. I want to I offer you a contrast. And this is the contrast of Jesus. I want to start with the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus says in Mark 7, verse 20 to 23. It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. That's a long list of really bad things. All of these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Now, defile is not a word we tend to use in our culture. The idea of, of being defiled is to be polluted. It's, it's like a, an environmentally compromised river that has all these chemicals put in it. The river is not what it should be because it has been distorted and polluted. And that's what defiled is. It prevents you from being your best character from reaching your best achievement. It, it disqualifies you. And in the context of the text which this was written, the idea was that we are made from, for a relationship with God and we can't compromise ourselves morally because that would disqualify us from that relationship with God. And so Jesus is saying this in the context of a culture where some of the religious people were saying, it's, it's your, your outward cleanliness that matters. You cannot have a relationship with God unless your hands are clean, your clothes are clean. And Jesus responded saying, it's not the outside that matters, it's the inside that matters. And I think that's something that does resonate with our culture. Because when it comes to outward physical appearance, we recognize that that is only surface, it's shallow. We, don't, we understand that we're not supposed to judge one another by our skin color, ethnicity, or whatever, or the clothes we wear. And so we, we, what Jesus is saying resonates with us in that sense. But he's saying that it's not the external, your parents, your culture, your institutions, your school, that corrupt you. It's what's inside that corrupts you. And that strongly contradicts the message of our culture. I also think, though, that it resonates with us on an individual basis. It resonates with our experience. Because I think every one of us goes through life understanding what we could be, but we struggle with living up to that. That's a real challenge. Because does that really come from outside? Is it, is it my school that makes me have no discipline and do my homework? Is it my parents that make me not do chores? Well, I think most of us in our experience go, no, that's not true. It's our own inability to discipline ourselves 
that's a problem. So how does that reconcile with the idea that who we are comes out from the inside of ourselves? We can't even be who we want to be because we struggle with our very selves. And that's why this, what Jesus says here, actually, it actually rings true. The problem isn't outside. The problem's inside. We're expending our effort in the wrong place where we're trying to fix, we're only trying to fix institutions without trying to fix our own hearts. Now, there is a solution to that. And the solution is this. As much as our culture says, you have to find your own identity and it starts from the inside. The message of Jesus says, there is an identity that is available for you, freely given. It's not something that you have to earn. It's not something that you have to manufacture. And it's not a burden that you have to carry on your own after you arbitrarily choose it. I want to give you a, a model, a biblical model that's demonstrated by Jesus. And, I mean, this applies specifically to Jesus, but I'm going to talk about how it applies to you as well. When Jesus begins his ministry, when Jesus starts his work, fulfilling God's kingdom on earth, the first thing he do, does is he goes to a person named John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, somebody who was a, the forerunner of God's kingdom coming, and, and he would, he would um, symbolically wash people in water. And again, he's not concerned about the outside. That was a symbol of what was going on on the inside. And Jesus follows the process that everybody else is doing, and he participates in this baptism process, this, uh, a symbol of an inauguration of God's kingdom being effected in the life of every individual. And as he comes out of the water, listen to this, Luke 3.22, a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. This is God's voice from heaven, and who's he speaking to? He's not speaking to John the Baptist. He's not speaking to the religious critics. He's not speaking to the onlookers that, that are there for their own baptism. He's speaking to Jesus himself. You are my dearly beloved son. Some manuscripts say, you are my son, and today I have become your father. It's God himself telling Jesus, this is who you are. It's an external definition of identity. Much later on, Luke 9 Jesus actually asks his own disciples, who are people saying that I am? And then he asks them, but who do you say I am? And it says, Peter, one of the disciples, said, you are the Messiah sent from God. Some translations say Christ, but Christ and Messiah are the, are the, the same word. You know, one is the Hebrew, one is the Greek. You are the chosen one of God. And Jesus responds to Peter, and I'm not sure at this point that, that Jesus needs to hear that from them, because Jesus has already heard it from God the Father earlier on. But to his inner circle, he says to them, God himself has revealed this to you. And then in the same chapter, a little bit later on, so Jesus takes a few of his closest followers, he goes up on the mountain, and there's a, an episode, it's, it's known as the transfiguration, which is a big fancy word meaning something like Jesus is revealed for who he really is. And he's standing on this, this mountaintop, his three disciples are with him, and, and it's like their eyes are open and they see him like glowing white, with two significant biblical figures standing beside him. And in Luke 9.35, same chapter, it's in this incident that says, a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Now, who's that voice speaking to? Earlier at his baptism, God says to Jesus, you are my son. Now he says, this is my son, listen to him. He's speaking to the disciples that are there. And so there's this idea that God gives you your identity, 
He gives Jesus identity, and then later on he, ref he affirms it to other people with his own voice. How does that apply to us? Because, I mean, this is Jesus. We're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. The crucifixion story talks about the correction of the broken image of God. So last week we talked about we were created, we were made on purpose to fulfill God's purpose in the world, to, to reflect him. We're the image of God. We're not the accidental byproduct of biology. We're biological, but we're not just biological. We're made as the image of God. But that image, the, the identity of who we are become, became broken. As Jesus said, it becomes polluted, defiled for all kinds of reasons, but, but the biggest reason is that we oppose God's ways. There is the best way, and then there is the not best way, and when we do that, we distort who we are. And we do that from a very, very early age. It's like, it's like our, it's our default behavior, to distort who we are. So rather than your identity coming only from the inside, what comes from only in the inside is actually a distortion of who you should be. And so this is part of the reason why Jesus goes to the cross. He dies on our behalf in order to overcome our, our broken inner nature and offer the means for us to have that fixed. And what happens, the result of that, is that we have access to the identity that's freely given by God. New Testament uses this phrase over and over and over again. That we can be in Christ. What does that mean? It means that our identity is wrapped up in who he is. So God says to Jesus, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. And when we become in Christ, when our identity is found in him, we fall into that category of Jesus saying, you're my child. I'm pleased with you. What happens is that when we put our trust in Jesus, God plants his, his spirit within us. So as much as our older culture in the past said, you are defined only what, what comes from without, your culture, your ethnicity, your religion, your parents, your ancestors, your country, that was a little bit later on, that you wouldn't find that till about the 16, 1700s. But your, your identity is, is externally imp, imposed and then the postmoderns respond to that, saying, no, it only comes from the inside. The reality is that it's both. Because as followers of Jesus, our identity comes from the Father, but then he plants it within us. And when he plants it within us, it starts to manifest from the inside out. So it's a both and. He plants his spirit within you. And then over time, the image of Christ, remember we are created to be in God's image, the image of Christ slowly over time manifests itself in us and through us, as we partner with God for our transformation. Really, there's some complicated ideas in there, but we're going to flesh those out over the next two or three weeks about how that works, what that means. Our opportunity is to live it out. And when the opportunity comes, to explain it. Because this message, again, I, I'm thinking of three different target audiences. The person who's watching today going, I'm struggling to find my identity, I don't know what it is. I'm carrying a burden, I'm, I'm, I'm under the strain of having to choose and maintain my own identity with nothing to start with. And to you I say God offers freely an identity 
to, to live out. You don't need to carry it on your own. And then for you who is a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're a little younger, and you, you're, you struggle with the identity of, of, you struggle with the question of identity because it's just part of your culture. For you, I would say this identity is already yours. We have to learn to live it out. And if you're a little bit older and that's not your question, you need to know that this is the question of those around you. How do I answer that? You live it out. You allow Christ, in, you partner with Christ so that his image is manifested in you. And then as we talked about last week or the week before, when somebody asks, you have the opportunity to explain it in a way that makes sense to them. Our identity is freely given as the image of God is reformed in us through Christ. I have, uh, it looks like one text message that's not relevant because it came to me before the message and I just haven't responded yet. So I w if you were in that first category today, I, I want to talk to you a little bit. You struggle to find your own identity. You're not sure how to do that. Now you're hearing maybe for the first time that there's an identity that is freely available to you. That not only is it given to you, but God will participate with you in the forming of that. That as much as you've been told that who you are on the inside is, is perfect, your experience tells you that it's not. You struggle with self-doubt. You struggle with your own discipline. You struggle even with doing things that you know are wrong, but you can't help yourself from doing it. What is the solution? The solution is to buy into the Jesus story and accept the identity that he has for you. So I want to give you an identity or an opportunity to do that, to accept the identity that is freely offered. And here's how you do it. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that what you're doing on your own is not working. That, that you struggle with yourself. You struggle with, we, we, have, a, we have an innate self-destructive tendency. And we don't know how to deal with it. But there is a solution. The solution is Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection that makes available the life that we were made for. And so after A, admit your need, is B, believe. Believe that this is available for you. And it isn't just a mental assent. It's not just a checking an opinion box. It's trusting. As much as you put your trust in all kinds of things, in this world. I trust that my car is going to start. I trust that my retirement savings are working and are going to be enough. This is the highest trust. I trust that every part of my life will find its fulfillment through this Jesus story, through Jesus himself. Because he didn't just go to the cross to deal with our imperfection problem. He came through the other side of death to resurrection. And he offers that resurrection life to each one of us, that we live it in this life, and we will live it for eternity. And then after B is C. C is commit to that life, which means saying no to the old life, saying that is my past, I'm done with that, I'm now living out the identity that God freely gives to me. And I'm going to challenge you to make that decision, to choose the Jesus life, to say yes to the identity that Jesus offers you and he's offering that to you today. And if that's something that you need to do today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And just make these words your own. If you can repeat it with me while you're watching online, just go ahead and do that. Pray something like this. Father in heaven, 
I admit that I don't know who I am and I need your help in finding my identity. I want to accept the identity that you are freely offering me today. And so I'm choosing to trust today in Jesus. Even if I don't know everything about what that means, I'm choosing to trust the life that Jesus is offering me and has made possible through his death and resurrection. And I'm choosing to commit to you today as my highest value, my highest goal, my highest identity forward. I'm saying yes to you today. Thank you. Amen. If this is a decision you're making for the first time today, I want to challenge you to walk with us, to live your life with us, because who we are at Crossroads Church, we are a community of followers of Jesus. We find our identity in Him. And so the best way to connect with us is go into crossons.live and click the follow Jesus button. Give us your contact info because we want to connect with you. We want to help you with this whole new spiritual life, this whole new identity that is freely given to you today. Who you were does not exist anymore. Now you are somebody new in Jesus. It's the best decision you can ever make. So who am I? Each one of us is in God's story. We're, we're the main character in our life, but we're part of God's plot. Our identity is freely given as the image of God is reformed in us through Christ. And so over the next weeks, we're going to flesh this out in terms of our actual relationship with God, our actual relationship with one another. How does that work? How we live out our identity in the world. And finally, how do we pursue the transformation of our identity according to God's intention? And so I want to challenge you today to ask yourself the question, who am I? Who am I in Christ? And how am I living that out? That's a daily question. How am I living out my identity in Christ? How am I shining Jesus in my world? It makes all the difference in the world. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you that we don't have to struggle to find or create or craft our identity, but you offer it to us freely. And who we are in Christ is the highest we can possibly be. That whatever comes our way, we know that we're not on our own, but you are working with us, you are working in us and through us to transform us into Christ-likeness, the highest version of us we could possibly be. Father, increasingly on a day-to-day -day basis, on a week-to-week -week basis, make that our reality. We want to partner with you in the forming of who we are. I thank you that you love us so much that you would send Jesus to die on our behalf, to make that possible. That you call us in love to relationship with you. May we rest secure in the identity that you give us. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca.
Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.